The Blur Havoc podcast may contain content some may find offensive, vulgar, or inappropriate for work or school. All views expressed on this show solely belong to the individual that expressed them. Viewer discretion is advised. I am your host, Alistair Aiken. If you're wondering why I sound so mellow and chill, it's because I just got back from the gym and I'm, uh, this is my post-warm bath and meditation vibe that I'm putting off right now. But given today's topic, um, I don't know if that's going to last very long, so we'll see. I've got another one of those buzz balls. This time it's a peach chiller. Um, hopefully this time I won't choke on it. Um, ah, there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's let's try this. Let's try this. Oh, that's oh, that's strong. Okay. All right. So today we're gonna talk about politics. No, not actual like policy, but politics in, in media, and why I personally believe you shouldn't do it. So, let's see here. How do we how do we even start this discussion? Politics um, are needless to say. I hate saying that, but needless to say, politics are pretty divisive right now. Um, by design, they're divisive. Um, since you know that we're talking about people's livelihoods here. Yeah, politics are pretty divisive. Um. So, that's why I believe they shouldn't be in media. Regardless of what my personal politics are, I'm not going to tell you what my personal politics are on this podcast because that's not what this podcast is for. That would be breaking the very rule that I'm trying to explain in this episode. So, you won't really hear what my personal political opinions are other than general sentiments such as the government sucks and guns are cool. Although, the... It's even arguable that the second one shouldn't even be a political statement, but it is. So, yeah. Um, so I, I don't even know how to crack this open. It's a, it's like a it's like an egg that's wearing a chastity belt. How do you even how do you even start this? Okay. Um, maybe I just need to get a little bit drunker. Uh, that might help. So, why why shouldn't you put your put your politics into your art well let's let's start with what we got going on in you know in media as it is the general assumption is i'm going to be completely unbiased here okay i'm not going to talk about if the policies are good or bad if i agree with the policies or not i'm going to talk about the fact that they're there that's it but in in media these days you have a very objectively left-leaning liberal democrat kind of policies or arguments in your in these in media these days such as uh anti-gun pro-gun control pro-abortion pro-health care oh excuse me pro-immigration you know stuff like that right pro i guess socialism as well 
pro what's another one pro environmentalism pro diversity pro you know pro people of color or whatever you know that stuff right but then the the issue comes in the fact that you're alienating a good portion of your audience that don't agree with certain things such as uh immigration they may not agree with immigration or gun control or um or pro-government or you know socialism they, 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 they may they may not agree with it i know abortion is also a very touchy subject as well so i'm walking on eggshells here to even talking about it so i'm not even going to give you my opinion on it but um abortion is one of those topics that people really you know are very divided on and then the divisions have divisions so yeah that's why putting that in your media is kind of a hot button issue now there are movies such as juno that kind of like talk about that kind of thing but it's never done in a way that that tells you that the specific there is a specific position to have and that is the correct position to have that's why juno gets away with it because it it discusses it it discusses both sides but it doesn't tell you this is the correct answer unlike um what's a what's a different movie God, I can't even think of one right now. God. <laughs> Man. Um God, give me a second. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to type this up here. I'm gonna have to search Google search. Oh, I was looking at shotguns right before I recorded this. <laughs> um I typed in movies, identity, politics. Let's go with that. Um, let's see here. Yeah, I am wasting time, aren't I? I don't really want to talk about the, the movie, the one movie. You know, the one from 2017. The one that got me started in the first place. I don't want to talk about that one. Um... You're going to make me talk about that one, aren't you? Okay. We're going to talk about it then. The Last Jedi. Because it's the only one I can really think of right now. Um, so The Last Jedi, it does it pretty pretty, um, pretty subtly compared to most movies. But The Last Jedi definitely has a, a pro-feminist, pro-female girl power kind of message going on in it. In, in certain points. Where the men are wrong simply because they are wrong. Even though the men do the things that are like completely logical given the situation and the information that they are given. By example, we have Poe, who, upon first viewing, the, the movie likes to pretend that him... Spoiler alert, I guess, for one of the shittiest Star Wars movies ever. Only The only shittier Star Wars movie I could think of is the one that came after it. And then the one that came after that, so... Yeah, if you even care about it, but... You know, you're not missing anything. Um, so, they're stuck in this predicament where... Um, well, let's start at the beginning of the movie. They're in this predicament where uh, it's right off the trails of The Force Awakens. Where the First Order knows where the rebel base is. Rebel resistance doesn't matter. They use them interchangeably in the movie anyway. Where the rebels are fleeing the base, right? 
and the first order shows up with their uh their juggernaut wait no not dreadnought wrong thing <laughs> they should they show up in their dreadnought ship and they aim at the base for some reason even though the base is completely empty don't know why they did that but hux is an idiot so it's funny right yeah hux is an idiot don't ask questions. He didn't have a completely different personality in the last movie. We didn't make him a joke because men are supposed to be fools in this movie. No, no, not at all. But Poe orders an attack on the Dreadnought with the bombers that are made out of paper mache and uh, destroys the Dreadnought. And then for some reason, this base killing weapon is destroyed by Poe, yet he gets chastised and demoted by Leia for destroying the very evident threat that we find out later um, that they have hyperspace tracking so that they can track the rebels through space through through space through like beyond like jump like you jump j get your shit together man <laughs> like light speed jumping is supposed to be a way that you're able to escape um but by having this light speed tracker that tracks people without needing a device to you know attach onto the ship it kind of makes it so that there's no way to escape your enemies. It's either fight or die. You don't really have much of an option. Which is why it kind of breaks the fighting. You know, the space fights in Star Wars, but whatever. So, uh, in the end, it's real. It's When you really think about it, Poe did the right thing by destroying that Dreadnought. Because if they were just to flee, if they were just run away and try to get to Crate, as revealed later in the movie, the Dreadnought would have just followed them and blasted them out of the, the sky. So, or the space. Blasted them out of the space. Oh, God, excuse me. So, it's, it's in the long run, when you really think about the information that is given to the audience and to Poe, it's kind of the best thing possible for Poe to destroy the Dreadnought. Yeah, it cost them a lot of their fleet, but at the same time, there would have been no survivors if the Dreadnought was allowed to follow them through hyperspace. So, even though Poe did the right thing... Poe did the best thing in the long run. He gets chastised for it. And he never gets an apology. He never gets a, oh, man, you were right. I'm sorry, Poe. I'm sorry for slapping you and humiliating you in front of your uh, your subordinates. I'm Princess Leia, and suddenly I'm a bitch. But whatever. Here's my martini. So the next time this happens is when, well, with Poe, Hold, Hold, Hodo, Hodo, um, Holdo is chastising Poe for the you know the bombing run on the dreadnought even though they're alive because of that i wish the movie would have acknowledged that yeah poe destroying the dreadnought was probably the best thing possible because if the dreadnought were to have followed them it would have been in trouble they would have so been in trouble but whatever you know the movie doesn't do it because ryan johnson is a hack but whatever so holdo is uh chastising poe for this right and then the, the brainlet the absolute, the absolute fool decides, hey, I'm going to chastise him for being a hothead and running with little information. Like a man that is known to do drastic things with little information, I'm going to keep him in the freaking dark. I'm going to make him panic. Keep him in the dark, not give him any information so that he can go off and do his own plan. That's basically what she does by saying that, hey, I have a plan, but I'm not going to tell you because you're a hotshot flyboy and we don't, I don't like your kind of people. Like, what are you doing? Like, he's the, he's a hotshot flyboy by your own description, right? So why would you like 
not tell him the plan so that he can freak out and do his hot shot flyboy shtick? Like, why would you do that? See, that's the kind of stuff that shows you that there's a there's a political agenda behind this to demean the a male character to make its female characters look better. This is a regular, like, very, like, it's not too on the nose throughout the movie, but if you actually pay attention, none of the male characters get out of this movie looking like, you know, respectable. Finn, Poe, Kylo, uh, Hux, even Snoke. Snoke was menacing for like the first half of the movie until he got halved. <laughs> um, and then the way he gets halved is stupid anyway. It's, it was stupid. He should have sensed it if he's so powerful, but whatever. Like, the entire movie, it's demoralizing and, like, not demoralizing, but it's it's disrespecting its own male characters to make its female characters look better. Because nothing bad ever happens to Rey, even when she does the selfish stuff, the selfish thing, the things that got male characters in the past jammed up, she ends up getting out of it unscathed. Like, when Luke... Okay, so parallels here. Luke um, sensed that his friends were in danger in Empire Strikes Back, right? Yoda says, hey, you shouldn't go because you're not ready. And Luke is like, I'm going to go anyway because I need to save them. They're my friends. And yeah, we all know how that ended. Dude lost an arm. Dude lost a hand. Found out his father was space, space Hitler. And his best friend is frozen in carbonite. Rey does almost the exact same thing in The Last Jedi, right? Where she senses that, like, or rather, it's not the exact same thing. She leaves for a different reason. She senses that there's good in Kylo and I can save her or whatever. Basically, she she's trying to save him because he got dad dick, but whatever. And Luke is like, hey, you shouldn't go. You're not ready. And then Rey is like, I'm going to go. And Jesus Christ, this woman beats Luke Skywalker. But okay. A woman that's been a Jedi for all of three days beats Luke Skywalker. But okay. All right, whatever, you know, this is a silly movie with space wizards, man, this is a movie. This is a movie with space wizards, man, you think it's too much. Suck my dick. All right, she goes to the Dreadnought, not the Dreadnought, the Supremacy, and, um, side note, the Supremacy, really? As in, like, the Supremacy, all the bad guys are white. White supremacy. You see what they're doing there? It's disgusting. You're cretinous. You're cretinous. But what's her name? Ray goes to the supremacy, and she uh she goes to meet Kylo. All right, and like she just says it like it's like like Chewie is dropping her off in an Uber, and she's like, "I'll give you the signal to come pick me up." Like what? You're going into the enemy base talking about something. I'll send you the signal to come pick me up. Like, bitch, please. So she goes to meet Kylo. Even though Luke warned her, you're not prepared to do this. Um, Snoke captures her because, duh, like he said, you weren't prepared for this. But the worst that happens is that Snoke tells Kylo to kill Rey, and then Kylo ends up killing Snoke. That's the worst that happens. And then Rey and Kylo fight the Praetorian guards and... Ray has no problem beating the guards, but Kylo, who's known these guards for a good chunk of his life, because they're Snoke's personal bodyguards, he has trouble fighting these guys that he should easily be able to trounce. But whatever, you know, just don't think about it. So, in the long run, the worst thing that happens to Ray is that Kylo is like, join me, and we can rule the galaxy together, and then Ray is like, no. And then Kylo and Ray fight over the lightsaber, and the lightsaber breaks, 
and they both get knocked out. And then Ray escapes somehow. You see how, like, nothing bad happened to Ray other than her lightsaber? No, sacrilege. Blasphemy. That is not her lightsaber. I take it back. That is Anakin Skywalker's lightsaber. Okay? All right? I know I'm being a little, I know I'm being a little facetious here, but, like, seriously, that's not Ray Skywalker. That's not, not Ray. That's not. <laughs> this drink is hurting me. <laughs> it's not Ray's lightsaber, all right? It's not hers. So I don't care, Disney. I don't care, Lucasfilm. You could sell it in the Galaxy's Eggs gift shop. I don't care. It's not Ray's. It's Anakin's. It's Anakin's. But yeah, like you can see it throughout most of the movie. Everything that the women do is right. Everything that the men do is wrong. Even when it shouldn't make any logical sense. There are parts where Finn is made a, into a nothing but a joke, where this little Asian girl manages to zap him in unconscious and stuff, and it's played for laughs. The first thing Finn does is be a walking joke, right? Where he's freaking... I shouldn't have drunk. He's spritzing water all over the place, even though he shouldn't even be walking, because remember, in the, la in, in the last movie... Kylo Ren like sliced his back his spine right he should definitely be in a medically induced coma so that they can repair his spine but you know it's whatever you know you just you know like you've you're telling me you've never gotten your back sliced open and like just went to work the next day like come on man come on get your weight up <laughs> scrub but no seriously like like Finn is just a walking talking joke at the beginning of the movie and he's for the majority of the movie, he's a joke. Especially the part when he calls Captain Phasma Chrome Dome. Like, speaking of Captain Phasma, she's like the only female character that isn't just impervious to, like, criticism. Because she's a bad guy, so, you know, it, it's okay for her to be wrong. Let's see, another example being, even though Holdo, like, got a lot of people killed by not explaining what the plan was and then causing, like poe to like freak out and sabotage the plan even more that's not poe's fault that's holdo's fault for not telling him that you know that there was a plan to begin with right when it all all she had to do simply was hey tell her tell him hey i have a plan but the reason why i'm not telling you is because i feel like there's a mole on the ship instead of having the you know the bullshit hyperspace tracker thing which breaks star wars as a whole like imagine breaking Imagine breaking space battles, the star battles, in a series called Star Wars. How do you do this, Lucasfilm? How do you... <laughs> Please teach me the ways of your ruinous behavior. But <laughs> I just don't get it. But back on track. That's one of the things about, you know, uh, the movie that made people go, you're kind of pushing an agenda here, aren't you? That, you know, that girl power agenda. Where girls can do no wrong and men can only do uh, wrong. And that's kind of an issue, not because, you know, anyone believes that women are inferior or anything, but because it's so heavy handed. It's it's so heavy handed that it's it's coming in at the cost of the actual storytelling where things don't make sense simply to make the women be right. Or make the women look better. That's the problem. Not that it that women look good, but things are starting to fall apart and not make sense because you're trying to make women look good. So, 
like the reason so that's the reason why putting your politics your personal politics in your media or your story is is not good because people will begin to catch on and realize you're trying to push a narrative here aren't you you're not doing this to actually tell a good story you're trying to push your narrative and that's no bueno because the reason why it's so tacky is because is because you're you're basically taking advantage of people you're trying to push your agenda, your politics through your media without actually like, you know, telling a good story. And that's lame. Because what I believe, here's the thing, don't get it twisted. I'm not saying that you can't, you as a celebrity or you as a story writer or you as a storyteller cannot have a personal opinion. That is not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that you shouldn't put it in your art. What you should do as an alternative is make your art as apolitical as possible like none nothing relevant to today's day and age nothing topical not nothing partisan but make your story my drink's hitting me <laughs> make it as apolitical as possible and then on the side if somebody asks you about your position on something then you can you know then you could have your position or outside of your storytelling you know do your activism for your political positions there but keep keep it out of your story man because that's not storytelling to have your political positions shoved down people's throats and then also another thing saying to keep politics out of movies and uh, storytelling is not saying you can't have political stuff at all in movies because the prequels had political stuff going on but it wasn't topical to today's you know it wasn't topical to what was going on at the time People say that it was, you know, the prequel trilogies was a representation of George Bush or whatever, but problem is, is that George Bur George Bush wasn't president when The Phantom Menace was being written, so that's a problem. Uh, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, uh, it was who was it? It was Bill. It was Bill Clinton, right? I'm not. I'm not finna look it up right now. You could look it up yourself. But yeah, George Bush wasn't even president during the writing of Phantom Menace, so that's not what was going on at that time. But yeah, you can have you know politics in terms of like your world's politics in the universe, but don't shove you know topical things that are going on right now into your story because it immediately dates them. Like an example, I was I was talking to somebody today about it, where the rapper Logic. Like, I love his music for the most part. There's some projects that I really don't like, but but his song America is incredibly dated now because of the references to one orange man in the song. They're dated now because orange man is no longer president. So was it worth it? Was it worth tainting your art? Was it worth dating your art to 2017 to, to give a good old jab at the orange man? Was it worth it? Because now we're all going to hear that song and know, yeah, remember when we all hated that orange man? God. Man, isn't it crazy? I forgot about him. Sheesh. And then it's going to be even worse if per public perception of him changes. If that's the case, I'm not going to be, you know, like a, a fortune teller or anything. But if public perception of him changes in the future, all of a sudden it doesn't look too, it doesn't look too classy to say F Donald Trump. Right? It immediately dates your art, and then it also makes it very awkward in hindsight if public, if public perception of the topic changes. So, 
Those are the two reasons why you shouldn't put politics in your art. Because it immediately, the biggest reason being is because it's obnoxious. That's the biggest reason. But on top of that, it immediately dates your artwork. It dates it to a specific place and time. And it also makes it clear what you used to be so that if you if you try to flip the script, if you try to flip that script on people in the future, they're going to get you. Why did I just start talking like Clembrain? What's wrong with me? <laughs> but yeah, that's why you'll never catch me, you know, putting that stuff in my work, like my own political positions in my work. Except for maybe guns, because I, like I said, I don't, I genuinely don't believe guns should be a political issue. They are a human rights thing, but we're not going to get into that right now. And in all honesty, I think the best way to do it is to have your characters have political opinions that you don't agree with. We can get into this another day, but just to scratch the surface, I believe you should give your characters political opinions that you don't necessarily agree with. And don't just make it a straw man either. Just say like, I'm a redneck and I believe that gay people shouldn't get married. <laughs> get out of here, brother. Like, no, like, I don't think, you know, you should do it like that where you make your your political opponent a straw man. You should genuinely do the due diligence and look up like what each person's like, like what each side's political uh, beliefs are and the reasons why they believe it. So that if you really want to have a political, you know, story with rhetoric that is topical, you can at least like represent each side honestly. Such as um, I can't even talk about it because this project isn't out yet. But there's a character in what project that I'm working on that believes in something that I don't necessarily agree with. But I gave him this opinion because it gives him more character other than this is a soapbox for me, you know, because none of my characters actually represent me, even though uh, there is one fellow that looks pretty handsome. You know, you know, the way he look kind of handsome, but he doesn't represent me. He doesn't even have all of the political opinions that I have. He doesn't even like he honestly doesn't even talk like me. He doesn't, you know. You know, just because he looks like me doesn't mean, you know, he actually is me. It's It sounds weird, yeah. A guy that looks like me doesn't act like me. But he's, he's a character first. Soapbox last. Your character should never be a soapbox. They should never be a, a an avatar for your political opinions. They should never be that. They should be characters first. So yeah, I think that's it. I, I think that's all I want to talk about in regards to this for right now. Uh, I think we'll have a part two to this discussion in terms of one of the, one of the facets of this kind of you know, political identity politics kind of thing, and that is representation. Ugh, representation. We'll talk about that another day because that one requires that one requires its own little special episode. Yeah, um, I'm not saying, to, to, to wrap it up, to summarize everything, I'm not saying you can't talk about politics in your stories. What I'm saying is that you should avoid inserting your own politics into the story without opposition, or without strong opposition, rather. But on top of that, if you do want to add your politics to the story, if you do want to have a story that is political, you need to make sure that both sides are equally you know, sound. Both sides' arguments are equally sound. 
so that it doesn't sound like you're the intellectual one. Your side is the intellectual one, and then you're just beating down a straw man. And then the funny thing is, here, here's the shocker. The funny thing is, when you do the research into your political opponents, you might actually change your own political opinions. <gasps> what did he say? What? What did he say? He did no, he didn't say there's nuance. No, what? You can't nuance. Only racists believe in nuance. What? No, no way. No freaking way, dude. <laughs> nuance. What? It's either you're with me or you're my enemy. <laughs> All right, I'm going to get out of here. Uh, live long and prosper, I guess. I don't know. I don't. I still don't have a catchphrase, dude. But I'm gonna slide and finish this drink, and then I'm gonna go off to sleep. And I, if you're watch, if you're listening to this while you're like getting ready for his bed, um, that'd be pretty rad. I hope you sleep well, man. That's rad. I'm gonna go to sleep now. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Blur Havoc podcast. Purchase the Blur Havoc book series on Amazon Kindle or paperback today. 